listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What's new? What's going on? I have to do a big shout out right now because I know that there's a lot of brand new listeners tuning in to today's episode. And I know a lot of you girls and guys out there are tuning in because of today's guest. And I want to just say, welcome. (laughs) Welcome. If you haven't listened to the show before, In Love With The Process is a podcast that goes deep into the realities behind the entertainment business, behind artists, behind chefs, uh, behind the people that we grow up idolizing, essentially, and the jobs that we ultimately want to try to get. And when I was a younger uh, filmmaker, when I was a young kid, I wanted to grow up and be a director. And uh, I believed a lot of the hype. And so I wanted to create a show that sort of cut through that stuff, got to the truth behind what it's like to be a rock star. What is it actually like to try to make a movie? And how do you survive the rejection? How do you survive how long it takes before anybody gives a shit about you? You know? And so uh, that's where this podcast comes from. Uh, Big, exciting episode today. Now, I'm sure you've seen it. Today's guest is none other than the infamous B. Miller. Now, for those of you who have never heard B. Miller's music before, uh, it's pretty it's pretty astounding how amazing she is at 21 years old. When you listen to her tracks, you feel like you're listening to like a 42-year-old uh, spout about uh, politics, about the planet, about real issues, and a, there's a real level of honesty that comes out of her mouth on this album that I have nothing but respect for. Um, and if you've been following me on Instagram, at Mike Petchy, or if you've been following the podcast on Instagram, that's In Love With The Process, P-O-D, on Instagram, you have noticed for the past, how long has it been now? Like five, six months, I have been essentially hijacked to uh, do all of the editing, the post-production, um, and I guess kind of be sort of an executive producer on the uh, new B. Miller campaign for her brand new album that just came out. Uh, and I've been working closely for Gisela, who is Gina, my girlfriend, as you guys know. Uh, Gina has been uh, designing, along with B. the two of them have formed this really insane uh, whirlwind of creativity something that is really special and very strange for the music industry. Uh, They've been breaking a lot of the rules on how traditional music videos are made. They've been breaking a lot of the rules on how uh, ad campaigns are created for musicians and uh, writing a brand new rule book. And I'm telling you right now, the stuff that they're doing now is gonna be the way that everybody wants to do it after. So if you work in the industry, if you're someone that does music videos, you're gonna wanna listen to this episode because uh, you, I'm sure you have been just as frustrated as the rest of us music video directors out there dealing with the old archaic way of communicating and getting access to artists and creating good content. You know, because how difficult has it been where you're writing treatments and you, ha- you never have the opportunity to talk to the artist before you're writing an, an idea or a script or a treatment. It's insanity. And so uh, Gisela... And B. Miller have been changing the rules 
And I'm very, very excited to get into it in this episode because I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of Gina for the way she's handling it. I'm very proud of the uh, videos and the work that they've been putting out. And we're talking about quarantine videos here, guys. Okay? Remember when the quarantine started and everybody's like, fuck, I got to put out music videos and stuff. And how many videos out there were just people singing into their webcams? <laughs> it's like, hey, let's just do a split screen with all our fans. And it's just like, this is boring, uninspired shit. Maybe the first two were interesting, but after that, it was just like, come on, man. And it's, I get it. We're in quarantine, so you can't have giant crews, right? You can't have big teams of people helping you out. You can't have a huge staff of makeup and wardrobe. But you can still do it, right? We can just be clever about how you put these things together. And if you go and watch, I'll put the links below the episode. Definitely go check out all the music videos. Definitely check out all the content that Gisela and B. Miller have been making. So that way you have a point of reference when you listen to this episode. But it's pretty fucking amazing. And I think a lot of you would be surprised to hear that this stuff was made during quarantine. I think a lot of you would be surprised to hear that it wasn't made with a giant crew. And this is a celebration of creativity. This is a celebration of freedom as an artist. That's what I love, 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 love about this collaboration. That's why I was more than happy to spend an ungodly amount of time staring at girls jumping on beds and singing into cameras. <laughs> so if you can't tell, I'm excited about today's show. And uh, those of you listening, you're like, how did you get B on the show? Well, I made her a deal. I told her that if she agreed to come to my place, we're all COVID tested, we did that whole thing. If you come to my spot, I will make you dinner and give you a couple of beers if you sit down and be on the show. And so I was lucky to catch her at the right time. You know, she was like in between a couple music videos and about to travel. So I got her right now for everybody listening. And I'm proud to say that this is her first podcast. She has never done a podcast before. She's uh, wanted to get on a show, and I am honored that she picked our show to do it. And so we worked really hard to make this one of the best episodes that we've ever done. And I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to them. Hopefully we get everything released. I'm gonna try to interweave some of her songs into it as well, so that those of you who haven't heard B. Miller, you'll be able to get a sample of my favorite tracks that she's done. Um, and then, honestly, she's got a mouth like a sailor. So the two of us, those of you that get offended pretty easily by the by fuck, get ready. <laughs> this is a rated R episode, okay? <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so before we get started, let me just do a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, those of you who are just uh, listening to the show for the first time, uh, and you want to go back and check out some other episodes, maybe you want to see the other musicians that I've had on the show, maybe you want to see the other artists, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, I have curated the show based upon subject material. So if you just want to listen to all the actresses that we've had on, uh, you could click on the actors and actress section. If you want to listen to directors, you can click on the director section. I have chefs, I have other musicians. It's really cool stuff. Uh, so go to inlovewiththeprocess.com easiest way to pick the next episode that you want to listen to all right well let's not drag it out all right let's get to it so you all know the deal 
grab those noise-canceling headphones, and if you are of a legal age, and you're allowed to, go <laughs> pour yourself a beer, because you'll have a beer with me and B. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. to eat and chew and say fuck the okay. show is rated r it okay. doesn't matter i'm allowed to be like my fucking bitch ass pussy ass ugly ass bitch i think i have the record of saying fuck on a podcast at this point so okay we're fine okay i have the record of dropping f-bombs just in general i, I, had, I had a feeling that you and i would probably mm-hmm. crack a record tonight mm-hmm. so yeah i think between the two of us we might yeah yeah all right hold on hold on, <laughs> hold on i me. can't look at you <laughs> Let me, let me do an intro. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Um, hold on. And you're going to laugh right at me when I say it, too. I can see it. You're holding your mouth. I am sitting here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the new show. I am sitting here and I'm sitting with my guest, and she's trying desperately not to laugh at me because everybody's been making fun of me all night. <laughs> I am joined. New. Yeah, it's nothing new. I am joined tonight by none other than the talented. This is the only time you're ever going to get. Yeah, I know. You never have said anything nice. From the talented, amazing workhorse. Like, you work harder than anybody that I've worked with in a long fucking time. Well, I don't know. I feel like you and Gina are working harder on my stuff than I am at this point. Yeah, well, you you kill it, man. Um, so we're here with none other than the amazing B. Miller. Say hello. Hello. Welcome to Thank my you. show. Thank, Thank you, you for, for being on me. my show. Fuck it, hey, man. Like, it's awesome that you decided to come on and hang out. I've actually never done a podcast before. I listen to many podcasts. I watch a lot of the, like, the YouTube videos that kind of coincide with the podcast, but I've never done one myself. And I never stopped talking, so I felt like oh, it well, could be a good thing for me to do. Don't worry. I'll interrupt you when I need to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to just set me off on a topic, and I'll just keep going and going and going. So at this point, I kind of feel like you're like a new little sister for me, because we have spent... At least I've spent a lot of time because I've been editing all your new content, Mm -hmm. the stuff that you and Gina have been working on for this Mm -hmm. new album. Um, And uh, That's what I'm saying. I feel like you guys are doing more for my own shit than I am. I feel like I'm just like, I I arrive and we do the thing, then I leave. And then I bother you guys about it every single day (laughs) for like two weeks being like, where the fuck is my content? Yeah, but you're, (laughs) we've been, we've been joking about this. Uh, You are a fucking android. I'm just going to say that. Why? Because- like in a, like you think that like I was built in like a factory and like I'm here to spy on you like a weird conspiracy theory. What be. do you mean? It could be. Now we're getting into Joe Rogan territory. If we mm. start getting into that shit. I know. Then we're gonna get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more because okay. For those of you listening, you know, uh, you may or may not know what it's like to be an editor 
when you're cutting stuff, it's fascinating. So when you meet people in real life, like I met you once or twice before I started editing you, it's a different experience after I've cut you for, I think at this point I've probably done, oh my God, 500 hours or something like that. And I'm just examining in the edit room. Of me specifically? Everything that you do, every move you make, like all of those things. So like afterwards I feel, it's so creepy to say it, but afterwards I feel like I know you. Mm. Probably as well as you. Or know. you thought, and then I arrived at your house, and you're like, "Oh, she's way more annoying than I realized." <laughs> but my point is uh, that uh, I was saying to Gina that you're like an android because you have this ability to do everything on beat, and I know it's intentional. So, like, mm. there are moments where, like, I'll sync up the footage. And you're like blanket on beat. I do that moving. a lot. Some, but Gina never points it out to me. So sometimes I think maybe no one notices. Oh, I or fucking notice. Maybe it's too much. Maybe I do it too much. But she doesn't want to be like, hey, B, stop doing what you're doing. No, no, no. It's good. Because what happens is, we're already on this tangent, which I think is really good. What happens is when I'm cutting, I'm looking for a flow. The same way that you would be looking for a flow if you're like singing a track or mm. if someone was looking for a flow if they're putting together a beat. Right. It's the same kind of vibe. What you're doing is you're looking for that subconscious transfer of energy. And that transfer of energy goes through shot to shot. So whether you're moving and sitting down in one shot or getting up in the next shot. And so what I'm constantly doing is I'm looking for that flow. And I don't know if you've noticed in the pieces that we've done, but there is this wave. And it's, yeah. it's very subconscious. And it's a big part of it usually comes down on the editor because... I can tell you a bunch of tricks from doing music videos for so long. When you work with artists that aren't good, I have to do more. Mm. So if you've noticed on these videos, and those of you who haven't seen them yet that are listening at home, I don't know when this episode is coming out, so a bunch of the videos will be released, but both B and Gina have been busting ass and putting out a fuckload of content. Mm -hmm. You guys have been doing a lot of really good yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, this is the most content I've ever done for, like at once in in my entire career. It's great because we this started... Um, right at the beginning of the quarantine. Mm -hmm. And so then this thing got packaged as a quarantine video series. Yeah, which we weren't intending. Because originally when Gina and I sat down, you know, I was, it was, it was going to be a lot easier for her initially because we thought that we'd be able to have a crew and, you know, multiple people there on set to help her. And, um, then, you know, after we had already agreed to make all this content together, the entire world broke and yeah. we had to do it all <laughs> in, in a safer way, which was just for her and I really to do it by ourselves, which has been really interesting, but I feel bad sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I put so much shit on you guys. I was just like, well, um, guess we're just going to have to do everything with the three of us well, now. Look, we're used to this. I think that's one of the reasons why we adjusted really well to quarantine. Because if you're an independent filmmaker and if you're an independent photographer, you're used to picking up all the gear, you're used to doing it all yourself. Yeah. And this came pretty naturally to the both of us, especially Gina, because she had just, you met her on a photo shoot prior to this. Mm -hmm. It was for like Lady Gun or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was pretty much run and gun because... The truth of the matter in the industry, like photographers don't make a ton of cash these days and there are no budget for magazine shoots at all. Right. And so that shoot, she was forced to be really run and gun. And that style that she was working on initially with you on that ended up transferring really well to this. Yes, by accident. It just kind of happened organically. Yeah, yeah. We went for like the uh, very uh, grungy, low-key 
easily accomplished, slightly psychotic look. <laughs> I was like, this is an obtainable thing for people. This makes sense to people because we're all kind of experiencing this lack of really anything at all. Yeah. And so to portray that, it, it, it really was just like the easiest thing for us to do was to make it very like natural looking and not, you know, do the craziest things for every video setup. But I think it actually really nicely captured what it is like to be alive as just, you know, just in general this year, especially. Yeah. And the fucking quarantine shit. Mm -hmm. and, and then I think a great side effect of the whole thing was that you guys got incredibly personal. Mm -hmm. Like this is a very special working relationship. Being someone that has done music videos for a long fucking time. Most of the time when you're a music video director, you're getting access to the acts through all their fucking people. And you're t submitting treatments and you're doing stuff the long fucking way. Yeah. And you guys have this relationship that has been you two. Yeah. I mean, I would encourage that. Honestly, moving forward from here, even if, you know, at some point, hopefully once again, we do have access to being able to have these larger crews and a safer working environment for everybody again. I kind of feel more motivated to do everything in mm -hmm. this way because as much as it is as it is more work and it takes a lot more time and energy for the few people involved i do think i'm just i'm, I'm way more proud of what i've created when i'm more hands-on and when it's mm -hmm. you know and i feel like when you find the right people to work with who kind of see your vision and you you share a vision mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, kind of, I feel like we communicate without even having to say much of anything. Very true. Um, and that's really hard to find. And like, I, I struggle even to find that in, you know, in music in any way where it's like, you know, I have to work really hard to try to find producers and writers and um, even like management people, whoever, who understand me on that level. So I feel like now that I have found people who I can create this kind of content with, without having to go out of my way to try to explain to them what the right. message is. It's like, I, I don't really want to go back. Well, the machine's kind of broken. Like the, the actual machine on how music videos, I was talking to a friend of mine because I'm a bit older, right? So I'm in for 42. So I'm like twice your fucking age at this point. It's <laughs> insane. It's fucking insane. But uh, me and my buddy, who's an older musician, he was, he had this really great comment. He's like, we live with nineties brain. So, mm. The older generation of, of uh, music video guys want to have videos done the way that we loved videos when we were younger and believe that that work ethic should still be there. So like you've got like the David Finchers, you've got the Spike Joneses, you've got all those guys that were music video directors from that time period that have fucking like their take for videos is what the budgets for videos are right now. So like mm. the difference between what they used to spend on music videos as opposed to what they spend now is obviously directly affected by the music industry in general, like people aren't buying CDs. Right. You know, and it's also affected by MTV suddenly deciding that they wanted to do a bunch of fucking teenagers in a van traveling yeah. across Ugh. country every day. Ugh. Um, so that kind of changed the whole game, but that system still kind of exists, which is kind of ridiculous where you have video commissioners and you have like a, the typical way it happens with most artists from our end is that uh, a label will reach out to music, a bunch of music video directors or like a rep and they'll say, hey, so-and-so is dropping an album. They need a music video. Here's the budget. Send us a treatment. Right. And so then as a director, you sit there and you're like, 
I don't but know. Most of the time from, from the perspective of at least me, I don't know if this is, you know, for every artist, I'm sure it's not, but most of the time we don't even realize that's happening. Exactly. You know, I'm not even aware that they're reaching out to certain directors or, you know, whoever it is to create a music video for a song that I hadn't even chosen to be the single. And now all of a sudden it's like, I'm getting a bunch of treatments from people I've never heard of before that I right. wouldn't have chosen myself. And I'm being instructed to just pick one and just accept that that's, you know, the, those are the options we have. It's very weird. Right. It it's is a, a very strange thing. I think probably for both sides of that. Yeah. Cause I, I'm supposed to write a fucking treatment for you. I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. You and I haven't sat around and talked about anything. It's like, how are you supposed to tap into what I want to say and exactly. the message I want to communicate visually? Exactly. Yeah. And that's what was so insane insanely special about your relationship, you and Gina's relationship on this is that uh, you've got a great management company that loves her. And then you guys were able to get together before any of that and actually talk it through and go, right. here are some ideas and here's how it all works together. And then at that point, you're <clears throat> designing more of the entire campaign as opposed to just, you know, fucking taking single shots at music videos. Right. There's nothing worse than that. And being a music video director at that time where you're just like, what do you want me? I don't know. What I mean, the fuck is the artist? It's with? also a budget problem where I feel like, you know, a label will be willing to throw $100,000 at one video, mm-hmm. but they're not considering that at this point in time, especially with streaming, you don't really get to choose the singles anymore as an artist or a label. Right. You kind of have to allow the people to choose them. It's honestly better that way. I, you know, even now, uh, my team will ask me, what do you want the single to be from XYZ Project? And usually I'll just say, well, I guess I like this one, but I don't really want to make a better video for that one than for anything else because it's all up to the streams. And right, right, right. songs that you would never expect to do well that you put no money into end up streaming the best and then you don't have a video for them and instead you have this $100,000 fucking music video that has nothing to do with anything else in your project for a song that nobody fucking gives a shit about. Right. Which is a really weird way to keep making content at this point in time. Right. I think like you were saying in the days of, you know, MTV actually playing music videos and people actually spending more time sitting down and watching videos and listening to full albums and caring more about that. I think that made more sense at that time to, Mm. to invest all this money into these videos and, you know, picking the single because it was easier to force feed people things. But now it doesn't really make sense to do it that way anymore. No, no. And now because you guys are doing it the way you're doing, you're almost curating an entire experience, which is mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Yeah. And, and it's hard to do if your label or whoever it is is pushing for you to spend so much money on one thing. Right. And as much as I don't want to say I've benefited in any way from quarantine or from, you know, a fucking pandemic, <laughs> I was able to use the pandemic. This sounds gross to say, but I was able to use it to my advantage just with my record label saying, you know, you can't give us this massive budget for one stupid shitty video that I don't care about because we can't have a huge crew and we can't make it happen. You're just going to have to give us a smaller amount of money that we divvy up between videos and just kind of trust me and Gina to do it by ourselves and just hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would have ever been given that opportunity if it wasn't for, you know, having to take those safety precautions this year. And now that we have done that, they see that I may have been right all along because I used to always tell them, let's divvy up the money and make multiple videos instead of just putting it all into one. And it's just a lot of things in the music industry just need to be progressed. They're just right. kind of stagnant in, in wherever they were, you know, even 20 years ago, which is not relevant anymore. Well, that's been their issue for a long time at yeah. this point. Yeah. You know, that was the death of CDs and that was all of that stuff. They should have mm-hmm. jumped on 
on, uh, you know, the Apple shit before Apple did. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, to get back to my point. Yes, sorry. You being an Android. <laughs> let's get back I to that. That's where yeah, that's from. where we started. Uh, it's <clears throat> so what I respect about you is that, like I was saying prior, if I work with musicians, and I'm not going to name any names, but I've worked with musicians that aren't fucking talented. And so what happens. I'm going to ask you about this later. Yeah. <laughs> So what happens is this, if you like, as a director, you'll sit there and go, okay, I've got this fucking epic shot. I'm going to put it on, on, on sticks and put it on a tripod. I'm going to do wide move. Right. And then I'm going to let them perform in this piece and the light's going to move. and It's going to be fucking great. Right. I've done this. I'm not going to say who it is. I've done this and uh, set up everything, gone through the process, prepping and lighting and doing the whole ordeal. And then you go over and you sit at the monitor and you're like, all right, cool. Then the dudes come in and someone comes in to perform and you're like, okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And so then you're like, all right, cool, playback, boom. And then you start rolling it. And then I'm looking at the monitor. I'm just looking at the monitor. And I'm like, what, what did I do wrong here? <laughs> like this, why does this suck? Like, why is this terrible? Like, is it that I choose the wrong lens? Is the lighting bad? What, what is this? And they're just looking at this monitor. Trying to make it your fault when it's really that the other person it's is just not. just can't perform. Yeah. And so then what you'll see, and this is a little trick, you'll see it in videos. If the video is mostly handheld, if the video is mostly shaky cam and it's all over the fucking place, it's because the uh, we have to jack up the the intensity. We have to jack up the emotion. Because it wasn't already there. Exactly. Interesting. Ooh, now exactly. I'm going to think about every video I've ever seen differently. Exactly. So if you've noticed on these series, Gina's had a lot of like very stagnant, like wide shots of mm -hmm. you performing in those pieces. And it's a, it's a ballsy move. Like... I don't know what videos are going to come out by the time this comes out, but you guys, spoiler alert, you guys have like a one taker in there. Mm -hmm. There's some ballsy fucking moves and it's dangerous. That took me a minute to convince Gina though. And I know that she called you panicked as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. can I just say that this looks good and leave? Can we just pack up and leave? And what was interesting is we had spent hours that day shooting all kinds of different takes and color lighting and movement and eventually i was like fuck it what if we just get a one take and see what happens and she was like yeah i mean we were gonna do that i just kind of you know i don't know if i'd be able to commit to doing that because mm -hmm. that is a little bit scary especially i'm sure as as you know a director or a creative director to to just say okay this is all this is going to be and i have yeah. one shot at making sure i have the perfect one here um because you, know. you can't cover anything up. exactly That's exactly it. and so we took she spent a long time on the phone with you and sitting with me and just watching it over and over and over again. Like, do we have it? And it was the last thing that we should, we weren't going to do it that way. But mm -hmm. sometimes I guess if there's yeah, emotion just, it, and it, if it works, then that's, it works. Okay. So we're, I, I like this but theme. That's, but that's why you're saying I'm a, what did you say? I'm a, you're an Android. A, an I like Android. this theme. This is the theme of the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the episode is going to be called B Mail is an Android, mm -hmm. by the way. I okay. That's what it's going to be. Uh, uh, so. <clears throat> And by the way, I will say what it is. And if we're not allowed to say, we'll beep it up. But this is for Self-Crucify. Yes. This is the video for Self-Crucify. Yes. So what I notice as an editor, and that video has it in it, but also um, Making Bad Decisions has a lot of it in it, mm -hmm. is just that you are aware of your performance and you're aware of the beat and the, and the percussiveness. Mm -hmm. And so you're dancing even if you're not dancing in it, mm. which is nice because then the audience is always looking for that connective thing, right? So you're either, you're when you listen to a track, you're, you're connecting to like the rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're like, I'm in with the rhythm. I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm in with the voice, I'm in with this. 
And so uh, you're always trying to figure out when you're making music videos how to draw the person into you emotionally. Right. So if you're on a wide shot, it's very difficult to draw us into you. Mm, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, on a wide shot, we're like, okay, the outfit's cool. The location's cool. Mm -hmm. Like all that stuff's cool. And they're refreshing. They're refreshing shots to go to. But then it's like, I got to get in. I got to go into their face, especially when you're singing. It's like, get a connection. Oh, with but person. see, I've always hated that so much. I've always been so anti that. I've always been so anti the beauty shot, the fucking like, oh, look at me. And this is all about, I don't, I don't think that music videos should be about the artist. I don't really know how to describe it. I, I obviously know that they should be involved in the video, but the video should be about feeling like you are getting transported into another place. And like the song is being mm -hmm. brought to life visually in front of you mm -hmm. and not about the artist. It should be like, yes, this is their vision and this is, you know, what makes sense for the song, but it shouldn't be like, oh, I just like really fucking look good here. And like, that's, so I've always been very anti those kinds of shots, but I've never thought about why having close-up shots is important for conveying any kind of like real you know, connected connection and emotion. Well, I mean, it's as simple as this. It's like the difference between me being out here and then the difference between me being in here. With your podcaster voice. Yeah, with the podcast <laughs> voice. So like the so when you when you're choosing lenses and you're choosing focal points, coming in for those tights can be really effective, but it's also a crutch. And then right. at the end of the day, when you're an artist and you're an artist that's a music video director, you're dealing with the fact that essentially you're making commercials for the album. So, Ew, fuck. Why would you say that? Yeah, you know, uh, oh my God, that just made me... You're right. You're right. But it's true. You're right. I'm just making commercials to go fucking... Look at how cool this is. Go listen to my song. Oh, you're, you're that just talking. ruined my life. So relax. <laughs> relax. <laughs> that just fucking destroyed me. So there's two sides to the thought. And this, this, this world is what filmmaking is. And so filmmaking is a really tough world because there's one side of me that is you, which is like... It's all about the integrity. It's all about the emotion. It's all about the experience, creating a great experience for the person that watches or listens to my stuff. The negative aspect of filmmaking more than making albums is that it costs fucking millions of dollars. Right. So for me to convince somebody yep. Yep. to cut me a fucking check, yep. at the end of the day, he's going to be like, yo, so you're going to give me at least the money back, right? So you're dealing with that commerce versus art. Mm. And then with being a music video director, it isn't like being a musician. You're essentially hired to do stuff that someone else saw and they kind of liked. And they're like, we like your vibe. Mm. And you're like, cool, all right. We would like your vibe. It's like doing commercials. We would like your vibe to sell this warehouse full of dog shit that I have over here. Yeah. So we think your vibe will sell that stuff. And so when mm. you find an act, and this is why I keep coming back to you and Gina. So the reason why you guys work really well together is that she is incredibly about the art and she's incredibly about that right. essence and you're incredibly about that essence. And I don't think Gina's been tainted yet by hmm. the, the business yeah. side of it. So you guys are at like this really great, perfect storm yeah. of creativity that's yeah. happening right now. Yeah. I, I think that she helps me in that way too. I would, I would say that like, you know, I didn't really think about the fact that I, I guess have provided her with, an outlet to put together an entire cohesive project mm -hmm. with that very artistic and non-tainted vision. But that's also helped me to realize that I can even create something to that capacity without, without it being, 
the incorrect thing to do because all I've been told my entire, you know, career is that everything has to be perfect and done a certain way and it has to be by the books and, oh, this is how we've been doing it for 25 years. We're going to keep doing it. And every time I put up a fight about that and tried to, you know, argue for what I actually believe in, which is to each their own and everyone has a different way of expressing themselves creative, creatively. And, you know, just because my artistry um, does not line up with somebody else's doesn't mean that it's invalid. Right, right. And I think finding somebody like Gina who can see, can see what I want to show the world and can make that happen has made me feel like it's actually okay to continue to argue and stand up for myself. Um, which is interesting because in the past it's, you know, like, like you're saying, you get a fucking treatment from like a label or somebody and they're like, bring this fucking dog shit to life. And you're like, okay, you don't know anything about the artist. Right. And I feel like, you know, now I have found people who actually see what I see my vision and believe in my vision and are going to help bring it to life in a way that the people who never saw my vision before now can appreciate it and understand it and digest it. You guys will get recognized for this. Like this, like when self crucified comes out, that's going to be a big video for you. Like, I feel like it'll be a big video. You think we just sitting there fucking crying? <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> we I, made your job easy that day. Yeah, exactly. But you know, we, because we've screened it for a couple of like my director pals that have come in and out. Really? Here. Oh yeah. And so um, the video is incredibly emotional, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's really well done. Technically, there may be a couple of issues here and there, but none of that fucking matters because mm-hmm. that when you get into it and we're with you, and, and the reason why what we put in was the sound of like the. It almost sounds like a sandstorm and it sounds mm-hmm. like a storm in the beginning. Right. It's just to sort of clear the minds of everybody that's watching this thing and then just sort of plop them in front of you and not really expect what the fuck is going to happen. Um, it's it's your, I keep saying to Gina, it's like your Sinead O'Connor video. Remember mm. Sinead yes, O'Connor? Yes, yep, yep. It really is. I think that one's really fucking solid. And is you that guys, the video for, what video is that? Nothing compares to you? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep, it's that. You know, because when... When we, when I, because we were talking about it before that day, and I was like, man, if you can get a one or fuck, if you can get it, because we had seen did you, you. Did you not believe in me? No, in my ability no, no, to no, cry no. about my own trauma. No, 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 no. <laughs> the cry, but the crying's only a piece of it. Mm. The crying's only a piece of it. So the I wouldn't have even suggested it to Gina, or I wouldn't have even supported Gina's suggestion of it if. Uh, I, we hadn't seen you for what two other videos prior to that hmm. and been in that edit right and then at that point when you're doing when you have the luxury of doing like an entire campaign you can actually sit there and go okay how do we how do we change it up and how do we make this fascinating and but also how does it all sort of tie in and how does it right flow? right instead of having to throw all the ideas into one thing and kind of sift through them until you find you know whatever sticks sure you sure. can kind of experiment i guess in a way and make them all still make sense together but you can you can kind of run through different ideas whether it's like the way that a video is shot or the concept of the actual video itself mm-hmm. but all the way down to the performances mm. so like um I don't know. Let me wrap this. Let me wrap this topic up. So ultimately, <laughs> I knew we were going to rant about some fucking bullshit for a long time. Ultimately, ultimately, I would just I was throwing you props because um, there's always an intro. I'm, I'm in the middle of cutting the video we just did the other day. Where there's always an interesting transition because you're completely aware. 
Mm. And you do it. This is why I call you an android. You do it so much. It, it just doesn't require any effort out of you. Hmm. It doesn't seem like it requires Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I see the videos come back and I'm like, when the fuck did I do that? It's, it's hysterical. And we'll watch and I'll watch you on outtakes and you're still fucking humming and bopping and you're doing your shit. And I'm just like, Android's still going. I've needed to change the batteries yet. Yeah. Fuck. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's good. It's really good stuff. Thanks. Really good stuff. Thank you. Right, it's that time. I got to take a break and give some thanks to the men and women that make this show possible. Now, if you're a newcomer to the show, this is when we do our ad reads. Now, before you fast forward through it, just know that I'm not reading some random company ads that I have no connection to, right? There are some podcasts out there that get hooked up with advertisers, and the next thing you know, they're like, the brand new Toyota. They don't give a fuck about that stuff. The people that I'm reading on this show are people that I know. These are people that I've had beers with. These are people that I, I use their equipment. I love these guys and girls. So stick around. Check out who I'm going to sell at you right now. First up, the good team over at Puget Systems. If you are somebody, if maybe you want to be a uh, music engineer, maybe you want to be a music producer, and you need to buy a nice, powerful computer to be able to use all those filters, to be able to use all those plugins, right? Maybe you wanna create your own videos. Maybe you wanna do what uh, B and Gina have been doing over the past six months, and you wanna make your own stuff. You got your hands on a great iPhone, and maybe you even went out and got yourself a GoPro, uh, and you need to edit this stuff, right? Where do I go? Do I go to Apple and do I spend a ton of money on something? You could, you know, but it's a lot of money. I think you should be smart about it. Go check out Puget Systems. These guys build really beautifully made custom PCs that are built specifically for your needs. So if you want to build an audio system, uh, here's, here's, here's the re reality behind it. Not all computers work the same way for all programs. So if you know specifically that you wanna build uh, an audio mastering system, these guys will help you build the perfect PC for an audio mastering system. If you're someone that wants to be video editing on Premiere, these guys have beta tested all the hardware. They have benchmark tested everything. They know exactly what to put in the machine to make your Premiere editing system smoking fast. Smoking fast. Um, go to PugetSystems.com. Do a little bit of browsing, check it out. They have so many great um, uh, resources on there for you. Even if you just wanna build your own PC, maybe you are a gamer and you wanna build a brand new gaming PC. These guys will post all the statistics, all the benchmark tests on all the new gear out there. And they'll let you know what works best. I can't say enough good things about them. So go to pugetsystems.com. One of the coolest advancements in the music video business, in the film business, even the live stage performance business has been LED lighting technology. And I know if you guys watch music videos, you've seen them all the time. There are quasar tubes in the videos. Whenever you see those like skinny lights that are in the background and they change color, it's from quasar. Quasar science. These guys have are at the forefront of amazing lighting technology 
They make uh, bicolored LED lights that are properly balanced for daylight or tungsten. They also make rainbow LED lights. You can dial in any color of the rainbow. They are an essential piece in your music video creating kit. So if you're a music video director, if you're a DP that wants to do music videos, if you're just someone at home that wants to recreate the colored lighting that you see in music videos, go to quasarscience.com. Check those guys out. That's where everybody's getting them. So every time you see a quasar tube in a music video, it comes from them. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, sponsor reads, oh, great way to, to sponsor the show if you haven't done so already. And I, I hate uh, asking you guys to reach in your own pocket. If you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, you can donate to the show. There's a donate button. And if you're like, I got some extra cash, Mike, I'd love to throw you 20 bucks. Feel free. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, click on the donate button, donate is 20 bucks. But here's a way to support this show without it costing you a dime. If you haven't done so already, you can sign up for an Audible trial. If you go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process, the link is below the episode. Probably fucked that up. Link's below the episode. If you click on that link, sign up for the 30-day free trial. Uh, you'll get a free audiobook. You'll get access to all their audio content for 30 days. Uh, you're probably going to want to stick around after that because you're going to get hooked like I am. I'm super hooked right now. What am I reading? Oh, dude, I am reading. I have never read H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's Cthulhu book. Can you believe it? I have never read that story. So uh, I have been listening to it over the past day or so, but it's actually a really short story. And it goes to show how much time I haven't had to do anything. I think the one I'm listening to is only like an hour and change. And I'm almost through it. <laughs> what a crazy man I am. Anyway, uh, go to Audible, sign up. Get the 30-day free trial. If you have to cancel because you know, you're know you out of money, you don't want it to cost you anything, cancel, not a big deal. Uh, you probably won't, but even if you do, we still get paid, okay? So long story short, if you wanna support the show, click the link below the episode, sign up for an Audible trial, 30 days for free, free audiobook, and we get looped. It's the best way to support us. And there are all sorts of other options if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com backslash sponsors. You'll find all sorts of ways uh, to show some love to the show and click on any of our sponsor links below the episode because every one of those links are traceable and the uh, companies will know that we sent you there and they will continue to sponsor the show. All right, enough ranting and raving. Let's get back to it with B. Well, let's talk a little bit more uh, about, because I'm sure a lot of your fans will be listening to the show, but then there's people that may not know who B. Miller is, and I don't want to do one of those dumb Lucky NPR. bastards. Yeah, I don't want to do one of those dumb NPR, tell me about your life. Um, but I feel <laughs> like, like... fucking Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should, we should talk a little bit about it. You got into this really fucking young. Like, mm -hmm. when did you start becoming a performer? <sighs> Kind of by accident when I was, I had just turned 13. Um, and long story short, my my parents had unfortunately lost everything um, when, you know, the entire economy fell apart in yeah. 2008, 2009. They both lost their jobs within a couple months of one another. And uh, we really didn't have a way to pay for our house. And, you know, I have two younger siblings. So there were five of us and it was just kind of a shit show. And I remember, I remember that I liked to sing and perform 
but I never thought that that was like a realistic career because who the fuck thinks of anything? Unfortunately, this this society has made us feel like if you want to do something creative, that that you know you that it's not going to work out right. for you, and you have to learn to be better at fucking math or something. <laughs> right. Um, right. So I just thought that wasn't realistic. Um, but one day I saw that I could audition for this fucking reality singing show and that allegedly their prize was $5 million, which is bullshit because mm-hmm. that all gets taken away by tax is like a whole thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, I was 13 and I saw that and I was like, this is my way to save my family. Maybe if I do, so fucking naive, it's ridiculous. I had never like sung in front of a crowd before. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about, but I was like, maybe, you know, I love American idols. Maybe I could do this other show. And if I win, then I could just get the money, give it to my family. We could keep our house and I could just go back to middle school. Like that was my fucking plan, which is insane. It is very insane. insane. And then I went on the fucking show and somehow I got on without really any prior like public singing experience. And uh, then my vocal cord hemorrhaged, so unfortunately I had to go home. That shit fucking hurts. You're, you're essentially, your vocal cords have to slam into each other in order to produce sound, and one of them split open and was bleeding, and the other one kept hitting it to produce sound. It just made it, it's, it was brutal. And then, uh, yeah, that happened, so I had to leave, and I was like, this is it. It's done, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna lose, my, lose everything, and like, I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do next. And um, somehow somebody was like, you know what, we're gonna sign this bitch to a label and just see how it goes. Jesus so Christ. I healed up my vocal cord and I just said, okay, well, I guess, you know, at the time I genuinely just wanted to go back to school and I wanted to be with my friends. And the only reason I did that was because I wanted to make money just to keep my house so I could stay in my town with my friends and just go back to my life. Um, I actually wanted to, to eventually, not that I think college is really that helpful to be honest, but I did originally want to go to NYU and be a film student. I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to, I didn't see myself making music as a career. Um, so that was my goal. And I just happened to get signed and I healed up and I just fucking moved out to California. And now here I am this many years later, just kind of all happened by accident. It literally just happened because I was naive enough to think that I could just win, win the money and just like fucking fuck off back to my life. It's a lot of fucking responsibility. How old were you at this point? I had just turned 13 when Jesus I made this. Because, Christ. But you know what? Like one of my parents, you know, who I, I reference, I have two moms and I reference um, one of them um, in one of my, you know, recent songs. And um, she just kind of, I kind of get it looking back, but at the same time, you know, be a fucking adult. But she had just kind of given up a little bit and mm-hmm. would just kind of spend a lot of time in the basement on chat rooms and not really doing much. We never even really saw her anymore. And, you know, my other mom was trying to work to compensate for having three kids who needed help with their homework and needed to be fed dinner and needed their bills to be paid, and needed new clothes and fucking money for field trips and whatever else. And she'd also lost her job and was working odd jobs. And it was just kind of a shit show. And I remember thinking to myself, like, ugh, either I'm gonna have to move in with my aunt in Long Island, which I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense, but I just have not. It's never made me happy to be there. And uh, we were going. The other plan. I've asked my mom about this recently. What was the, what was the plan if we hadn't gotten lucky with the fact that I just fucking made this happen somehow by accident? And the plan was literally to move in the five of us my mom's being divorced at this point, but still having to live together to one room at my aunt's house in Long Island. That was, that Five was, that you was the plan. Room? That Jesus was the plan. Christ. I've literally looked my mom in the, like, I think the most recent time I asked her this was like, maybe last, like previous Christmas. I was like, what was like, I never really asked you what realistically the plan was. She was like, yeah, you're right. That's all we really had going for us. Can you fucking imagine? I can't imagine. So it happened by accident. That was the, uh, 
That's Long crazy. Answer. Well, I was joking about this with Gina the other day because I'm like, I'm fucking twice as old as B, but I feel like you are an older soul at this point because you've had to deal with it. It's, it's, I think it's just because I have a lot of bullshit that I have to take care of. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know? I think, because I do have a lot of friends uh, my age who luckily for them and which is normal have not had have not experienced anything to that capacity where you know even to this day i am financially responsible for my family and um you know responsible even emotionally in in certain aspects and um i i do have most of my friends don't have that responsibility no, who are no. anywhere close to my age which makes sense yeah um and I sometimes feel jealous of it. At the same time, I watch them scrambling around trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do with their lives. And I'm like, haha, like I already figured it out and <laughs> I got it on. And I'm, I'm you know, un- when I was younger, I was angry and I was jealous. And sure. I was like, you guys just get to fuck around and go to parties and I have to go make money so that I don't fucking starve. Sure. <laughs> no. For, but now, yeah, but you, I'm grateful. But you got to, you got to think about it from, like you were saying, most people right now, so the fucking 20s right now are considered the teens. So, like, most people don't know what the fuck they're doing. And there's a lot of people that are still living in their parents' basement until the early fucking 30s right yeah. now. It's an insane fucking time period. So, you're processing all this stuff. You're taking on a brunt of this responsibility and that sort of anxiety. Oh, I've started. I now have severe chronic migraines because it was weird the minute I conquered my panic attacks mm-hmm. and I learned, you know, what the early signs of one was and I, I figured out how to prevent it. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately after that happened, I think my stress found a new outlet and just started coming out as these, um, they're called ocular migraines where you kind of like lose your vision and they're really fucked up. They're bad. And most people don't start getting them until they're in like their fifties. And I have them now, Jesus Christ. which is unfortunate. But I, you know, I think every time I conquer one form of my stress, releasing itself or relieving itself, I guess I should say, a new, a new roof. version, yeah, 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 a new, a new variation of that. And it, you know, I think on the surface I'm all right, but I do think you know there are of course moments. But for all of us, we worry about you know how we're going to take care of ourselves and the state of the world and you know, how things just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse in a lot of ways. It's very true. And stress is such a weird fucking beast. And anxiety is such a weird beast. Like for me, I had, before we moved, I was like breaking up a company and I was dealing, we were were like, we uprooted our lives that we had situated for years. Like Mm -hmm. I ran a business there for fucking like 13 years. Right. And we just changed everything. And I ended up in the hospital and I was in the hospital because, like, I had a pain in my arm and I had a pain in my chest. Mm. I've like, had those too. I'm like, this is a and fucking I'm heart attack. Twenty man. years younger. Yeah, I've had that. You're I've had such crazy. severe anxiety because I, I've just had so much on my plate. Which, you know, I also can't complain because I did get lucky and I could have tried out for that show however many years ago and had it not work and had to be in the situation that my mom had described, which would just be all five of us in one room in a place that I fucking hate and who knows about it even right. be here at right, that right, point. Right. right. Um, but at the same time, it has it has caused me a lot. I've had many panic attacks where I have called my mom and said goodbye. It was nice knowing you. I love you. <laughs> like you know, I'm I'm dying essentially because sometimes you do have these moments of deeply rooted anxiety that just convinces you that something is wrong. Typically, a heart attack. Yeah. And eventually, I started you know when I was you know trying to figure out how to conquer my. Um, you know, anxiety episodes like that. I 
started reading a book from a man who had struggled with really bad anxiety for 10 years. He just eventually stopped leaving his house. He wanted, he moved closer to like a hospital. So, cause he always thought he was not like a crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that he says in the first chapter is you're not having a heart attack. We've all thought that we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just your anxiety. So it's interesting that you say that because I have also convinced myself and my friends that I'm dying of a heart attack just cause I'm stressed. It's crazy. And if, for me, it was going on behind the scenes because I'm. I try to be very. Ra- I've tried to be very rational about how I handle shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I know this is stressful. I know I got to go through some stressful shit. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through some stressful shit. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And then your body just does it. Yeah. And you're just like, wait a minute. I'm. I know. Yes. I'm being conscious. Rationally, of you're like, I'm not dying. That doesn't make any right. fucking sense. Right. But then your mind has. It's like your anxiety has a mind of its own, and it just overruns your rationality sometimes it's crazy and then you're just like well okay so now i get it now i get why people get fucking nuts about this because you don't necessarily have control over it. no and i used to believe that anxiety like panic attacks i just didn't understand i was like that doesn't make any sense like chill out like maybe you should just calm down bro you know (laughs) have a beer like just chill but that's what i was saying to myself then you experience it though and you're like holy shit like you actually can't stop it when it's happening sometimes it's nuts it's so fucking insane and i i do feel like as much as i do feel grateful and lucky for a lot of the things in my life and i know that you know as much as i do have the stress about the things i am responsible for and and some of the things that led to me being here you know at the same time without the things that have caused me that stress and still continue to cause me that stress every day i probably wouldn't be you know, I wouldn't have accomplished as much as I feel that I have. And, you know, of course, I'm always thinking what's next, what's next, what's next. But sure, I, I do sometimes have to stop and recognize that in, you know, the short amount of time that I've been on Earth, I have accomplished things that I never thought I'd be able to do and been lucky enough to take care of myself and my family and make sure that, you know, we have food and, and shelter. And I know it could have gone very differently. So as much as I do have a lot of stress um, that causes, that takes a physical toll on me, mm-hmm. it's like, what is the alternative? You know? Well, you've also got a good head on your shoulders and you're you're not a piece of shit, which is- Most of the time. Which is, which is nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> I try not to Which be a is piece nice, of shit. Because most of the time, most of the time you, you meet people that are pieces of shit. Oh yeah, I've met them all. You know, and so- and there's there's a hundred different ways that people get into this business, and some people are entitled, and they entitle their way into this business. But it seems like you've always been a blue collar, sort of roll your sleeves up and fucking do the job kind of person, and uh, it shows. It Thank really you. Does. That's another thing I'm I'm grateful for, though. In some ways, it's like watching my parents deal with the financial burden that they had for so many years. I think has has really made me feel more motivated to do things myself and start my way from the bottom and, 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 and make sure that I build up a life for myself that I feel that I can maintain because, you know, I don't want to end up like that. And so I want to put in the work because I watched them give up Mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, to me, just makes me feel like even more like I just have to fucking go to work. I just have to get it done. And sometimes I bitch and I complain. I'm like, I fucking hate this. I just want to take a nap and I don't want to deal with this today. But I feel like eventually everything, everything yeah. gets done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I get it. I mean, you, like there, you were saying before, like there hits a point where you're like, look, I want to be able to be a kid. 
Mm-hmm. I still want to be able to have my youth. I still want to be able to go and do these kid things, which oh, everybody yeah. else does. It's important because otherwise you're just gonna <laughs> you're just gonna be the youngest old person that's walking around. You know what I mean? I already feel that way. My <laughs> friends will all sit around and talk about all their crazy experiences in college or even I didn't even go to high school. Uh-huh. And they talk about all these and I'm like, well, hmm, what the fuck what was I doing in like 2015? I'm like, oh yeah, like I was making money and trying to make sure that I didn't fucking star well, you, <laughs> and my friends are just like getting drunk at some party in someone's basement which now sounds like a fucking hell on earth but yeah. at the time i definitely would have preferred to be wasted in somebody's basement in bumblefuck new jersey it's funny to hear you go now it sounds like hell on earth it's like, like i said you're, you're an older you're an older soul because it, it you it takes so long for most people to figure that out and a lot of people when they go through the when you go through the normal steps and mm. you're just like high school, I had such a great time in high school and these are the best people I've ever met in my life and this is going to be the best point in my life. There was a whole period of time where people didn't think it got better than high school. Is that real? That's not just like... That was a real I mean, thing. I, I don't know. I never experienced, I didn't go to high school. It was a real thing for a lot of people. And then the same thing with college and college life. And like I went to college and I I joined a fraternity or I fucking became, uh, I met all the people in the, all my friends in the world and you, I got out of the wait, nest. Wait, so, hold on. I you were in a not, fraternity? No, 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 no. You just I'm said just, you joined a fraternity. No, I'm just saying that someone. Oh, I, I thought you meant you did. I was do like, there's you, what no. What fucking fraternity do you think I joined? I don't fucking know. That's why I was like, you're joking. There's no, no, no way. No, no, no. I, I, didn't go to, I, I didn't go to a four-year school. <laughs> I didn't go to a four-year fucking college. I went to like uh, uh, New York Film Academy, which is only a half-year program. And after oh. that, I was just like, this is a waste of fucking money. Yeah. That's what I was saying when I used to want to go to NYU. It's like at the time, I didn't realize what a yeah, fucking waste, waste that would money. have been. Yeah. I truly was like, that's yeah. my dream school. And for what? I don't believe that I Some would asshole's been. fucking boat. And that's yeah. what I'm paying for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yesterday is over, it's the first day of my life You look so fucking pretty and I know it's not the wine You spin me round in circles underneath your starry eyes And now I feel alright And now I feel alright Cause you're so fucking special Special, mm-hmm. and I don't. 
But uh, my point was that I think a lot of people uh, are never really living in the moment. Mm. They're always living in the past. And they're always mm. looking for, this was when it was great. And this is when this was a great opportunity. Or they're looking so far in the future where I'm not going to be happy until I get this fucking thing. Right. I'm not going to be happy until I have this moment. And with you, it seems like it's interesting because you're you're experiencing stuff that adults want. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. you're 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 touring. You're fucking recording albums for a major label. Uh, you're making music videos. Uh, you're you're able to express yourself creatively through your work. That's a big thing. Like, how old were you when you went on your first tour? I didn't go on my own headlining tour until last year you know early 2019 but prior to that i think i had i had opened for my first tour when i was i i want to say i was 15 and i what the fuck was that like (sighs) what was that like honestly i didn't this is gonna sound fucking stupid but i have never thought that i was meant to be a live performer okay which i know sounds insane um, but you know, I, I, I've always wanted to just create music and, and express myself in that way. But sometimes, sometimes I wish that I could be like a little bit of a Millie Vanilli situation, like a singing in the rain type of thing where like I'm <laughs> writing the music and I sing it and then I send somebody else out into the world to do it. And it's not because I don't like, you know, being there and, and having the experience of, cause there's nothing like that really, which is to contradict what I just said, but it is a pretty insane feeling to watch and listen and feel the vibrations of people in the room with you screaming the words that you wrote back at you. Like that's fucking crazy. But at the same time, as much as I am an extroverted person, a lot of the times I'm putting on an act because ultimately what I like to do is just fucking sit around and like be with people who make me comfortable, make me feel comfortable. And I, and I, I, I just feel sometimes very socially anxious mm-hmm. in situations where I feel like everyone is looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, you know, my, my dream when I was a kid was to do things where I would have been behind the scenes mm-hmm. and I never really wanted to be the center of whatever I was doing. And I, you know, when you're an artist, unfortunately you do sometimes become that center without even trying. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, everyone who does something on my project is doing something for my project. And that right. is a really insane thing for me to grasp even now, however many years later. And, you know, sometimes when I tour, especially at the beginning when it wasn't even my own fans, because now it's a little bit different where it's like, as much as I feel weird that everyone is here for me, they're here for me and that's cool. But previously, you know, I was having to be at the center of this stage that was built for somebody else with mm-hmm. their fans and their, you know, audience size and, and scale. And I was just having to be, I was just like plopped there and having to sing for a bunch of people who, you know, all you can think of was when you're an opener is I am just here passing time while somebody is going off to take a piss or get some soda and they're just waiting for me to leave. So the person they bought the tickets for comes on stage. Right. Right. Whether that's true or not, that's how you feel. Right. And so when I first started touring, I, I, I really didn't like it. And even still sometimes now it's like as much as I love connecting with the people who I don't realize they're always just out there even right now listening to what I'm doing. As much as I do love that, I still feel to this day very strange about being the center of what is happening in that moment, in that venue, in that place. It just feels very, and I don't mean to sound 
conceited in that way. No, it's dude, like, it's, no. it's literally what's happening. It's like people are there for a B Miller show and that is fucking weird even still. It's great. Look, I've had a bunch of musicians on the show and I've talked to a bunch of my friends and the musicians. Um, and touring in general is such a strange thing because it's not fucking glamorous. No. There's nothing glamorous about it. No, you can't even, people don't even, you can't even shit on a tour bus. If you have to poop on tour, you gotta go up and tell the driver, <laughs> yeah. hey, listen, sir, I'm gonna need you to pull over because I'm about to bust open. <laughs> you know how non-glamorous that is that I've had to tell a bus driver that I barely know to, to pull over yeah, at 2 a.m. because it's time to poop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's love not it. glamorous. It's no. not nice. Mm. But it's interesting because a lot of people think the opposite, like, especially with rock and roll, mm. where it's like, you know, you mm. you have amazing riders, you go to a space, you go to these amazing green rooms. Green, green rooms are like glorified janitors. Yep. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They're they're janitor's closets. Yeah. And then you you spend most of your day just transporting to that spot, sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then then if you're an opener, what do you get? Like a half hour? You don't even get like Sometimes less. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes less depending on, you know, the the size of the venue and the, you know, the reach of the main artist. And, you know, sometimes – much bigger artists have two or three openers instead mm-hmm. of just one. Mm-hmm. And typically when that happens, you know, each person obviously gets even less time. So I've definitely done some opening slots where I was the first of like three openers and I had maybe 12 minutes, Ugh. which is, and and it's like as much as you want to do your best and like the ideas to quote unquote, find new fans, that doesn't fucking happen. It almost never happens, especially when you are put on tour with the wrong yeah. headliner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those fans may not like your shit. I have toured, for example, with Selena Gomez when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. And as much as she's amazing and she was super kind for like having me there, whatever, it's her fans, her the people who listen to her music are not typically going to be the same people who listen to my music, especially not at that time because mm-hmm. I was so much younger than she was and my messaging in my songs, you know, even now, it's like it's always been much more aggressive mm-hmm. and um, sometimes even political or just more angry, I would say. That yeah. I'm an angrier person in my music than Selena Gomez. I think everyone can agree on that. Yep. And so performing to these people who were there to see her felt so, I just felt so far away. I felt like all I was doing was just ruining their experience almost, which, you know, I think I was also being hard on myself at the time. You know, I was 15 sure. or 16. You're fucking and, 15. Yeah. You're on tour at fucking yeah. 15. And she also was playing these fucking arenas, like yeah. 15,000 people at shows sometimes. And I had never really Holy torn a, a toured before. And I was just, you know, and I felt like I wanted, I almost wanted to apologize after every one of my sets. Like, okay, I'm so sorry that I put you through this. I know that you're just here to see Selena. I understand I'm here to see her too. Like, I just like, you know what I mean? I felt like I wanted to apologize to people. Yeah, yeah. And I just hated that these people were looking at me, but they weren't seeing me because they weren't here for me. But then now, even if they are here for me, I feel the same way. It's like, oh, but reverse. It's like, oh, fuck, you are seeing me. Shit. Like, why do you, if you see me, then why do you, like, why do you give a fuck? Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just my, like, I'm just me and I can't, you know, and I'm, I'm bringing all these people here to, to, to tell them stories about my life in songs. Like, who the fuck 
Why yeah. do people care? It's weird. Yeah, Either it's way, weird. if weird. people don't care, you feel weird. If people do care, you feel sometimes even weirder. I don't think you're. All, I don't think you're on your own feeling this way. And I know a lot no. of acts that feel very similar to this. And I've heard interviews with folks that feel this way. And I actually, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. I actually was able to spend an afternoon with BB King, hmm. and uh, saw him and how he acted when he went on stage and performed. And Interesting. He was. Oh my God, those fucking days. I was hired. Why? When did that happen? That was before he died. So I was hired by a friend of mine who's a documentarian. And he was like, Mike, will you just go uh, interview him for the day? So I got to go full access. And uh, my buddy worked for Harvard. So when BB heard that I was coming, he thought I was the Harvard guy. So he was just like, it's my Harvard white boy, is what he would say when I showed up. And uh, I hung out with him. It's fucking crazy. It was wild. And I hung out with him. I interviewed him on the bus. Talked to him for a while, and he's like, hang out with me all day. And I was like, okay. So we hung out, and his, you know how you have the meet and greet, the press meet and uh, greet, and yep. the fan meet and greet shit? The, the press ones are. His meet and greet rooms were full of fucking amazing musicians. So you'd go <sighs> in, and it was like all like Monster Mike, and like all these people from the scene, and they would all come over as fans of B.B. King. fucking insane. And they were just like, you're amazing, you've changed my life, and. These are fucking dudes that have like won Grammys oh and that are God. just like doing the shit. And BB would hang out with them and he's like, very gracious, very cool. He toured, I forget what the number was. It was 300 days a year. Some oh, ridiculous amount. God, I can barely tour for 60 days a year without wanting to fucking. Oh, some ridiculous amount. And he was like fucking Johnny Appleseed. He had kids everywhere. But he toured like 300 days a year. I mean, yeah, if you're touring 300 days a year, yeah, I can yeah. imagine you have kids everywhere. But he, he <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I watched him like meet these folks. And it's so fascinating because like I said, the green rooms aren't fucking, they're, they're like, you know, spray painted black and they're fucking like folding chairs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes no, not even more than one yeah, chair. It's not hot. Yeah. Nothing hot about it. And so. No. He's in there, he meets these guys, and then he comes out. And this is when he was at his, at his older age. I got to hang out with him while he's an amazing guitar player, as we all know, but his hands were fucked because he had been playing guitar for so long. Uh, and so then I watched as they would do cortisone shots. They would shoot cortisone into his hands. Holy shit. And then he couldn't walk. So they put him on a wheelchair, and they'd wheel him to the edge of the stage, right beyond the curtain, so that no one would see it. And then he'd get out of his wheelchair... <sighs> And walk up to his seat and sit down I there. Mean, but did he want to be doing that? He loved touring, but he still felt awkward, uncomfortable. And they, he would tell me stories about when he was younger, because of racism and all that, mm-hmm. where they would have to like demand their money up front, and they would often not get paid for their jobs. And they, he would often have guys traveling with him that would kick the fuck out of oh. these people to get the money for his shows and stuff. And so the the, the road life is not as glamorous as one would think, especially when- No, especially, I mean, at that time for- Oh, yeah. but but then back to 90s braid kid, you know what I mean? Where you're watching fucking Guns and Roses yeah. and all that shit, and you're just like, wow, these guys are fucking blowing coke, getting blowjobs in the back room yeah. every fucking night. It's just like completely not that scenario. And I remember the first time I did a music video for a big act- and I was like, cool, I get to go on the tour bus, you know, and it, like being like that. Yeah, fan still. I'm sure you think it, before I was on and got to have my own tour bus, I thought it was like the most fucking insane, like cool, glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's usually 10 people living in a fucking <laughs> 100 foot long space. 
with barely a kitchen, a bathroom you can't shit in that sometimes gets overflowed with pee. And so just the whole bus <laughs> smells like piss. One time I was on tour in, I don't know where the hell we were at this point. It was like a, a August of, you know, maybe 2015 or 2016. And we were, um, at this point in the tour in, I want to say Florida or Texas, somewhere that it gets really fucking hot in the summertime. Yeah. And we had this really old shitty bus that actually used to belong to Eddie Money, which was just, <laughs> you know, what it was. And uh -huh. Um, uh -huh. it had a million miles on it. The first thing the bus driver said when I got on the bus was, oh, I think we're going to reach a million miles on this tour. And I was like, uh Huh? I'm getting the fuck <laughs> off of here. The fuck? I'm driving a tin can. Yeah, right. And um, at one point, our AC went off in August in, you know, whatever Jesus. I said, Florida or something, yeah, in the yeah. bunk unit, which is, you know, there are doors that separate the front from the bunks from the back of the bus. And in the bunk unit, the AC unit just completely fucking broke down. And at this point, it was like 100 degrees outside every day and inside this metal fucking thing it was probably like 120 degrees in there and and because the bus was so old because it was eddie money's and like the, <laughs> the late 70s you know apparently there are horses pulling the right to get exactly yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were almost at a million miles. this bus was old as shit <laughs> and there was no shop anywhere nearby that had the parts to fix this old ass fucking bus so for like a week we had no air conditioning in August in the summertime in the South. And until we got to Tennessee, which is where a lot of buses, you know, come out of Nashville and until we could get it fixed there, you know, so it's, it's, it's not glamorous to say the least. It's like you go through some, especially when you're not like a super high profile artist, right, it's like right. the type of shit that people give you to kind of get your ass out there on the road is it's crazy. It's, it's fun. It's it's literally got one foot in the grave. But that being said, I'm sure you had some fun, crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm you know I'm a pessimist, so I'll always list all the negatives. Well, that's what happens first. when there's two pessimists on microphones. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> and so me being yeah. me being a host, I'm like, but there were some yeah, good things too. Yeah, but wait, too. I should ask her if there was some yeah, positives because that's stuff you know, yeah, like. yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. and it is fun, and you know, especially now with the pandemic, I'm just thinking about how I was supposed to be touring, you know, festivals are fucking fun. Festivals oh, yeah. are awesome because touring, especially for someone like me, like, you know, I don't use a lot of backing tracks. Um, when I'm doing live performances, I really sing my throat out every night and, you know, doing that every single night for two consecutive months can be really, really taxing. There are many days where I'll have to go on vocal rest or I'll have to go and see a doctor in a little tour and have them shove a fucking camera down my nose to look at my vocal cords. It's like, I get very paranoid about it, but festivals are really fun because, um, you know, you get to just do one show and maybe you get to go home and rest for a week after that. And so you can just give it your all. And the, the, the feeling there is very different. So, you know, as much as I, do complain a lot about most things <laughs> this year has really you know i was supposed to play a lot of festivals this year some even international which i was very excited about and i was probably gonna assume i assume tour after i released music again and yeah, i don't know you sometimes you know the grass is always greener you don't you don't always realize what how how much you enjoy something mm-hmm you know, even with all the potential cons, you don't realize how much you enjoy something until you don't have access to it anymore. And now it's like, even people, you know, I have people that will ask me like, oh, you're in the music industry. So, you know, like when touring is going to be, you know, when our shows, I'm like, I don't fucking know. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody knows. We no don't knows. know when we're going to be allowed to perform again. And the, the not knowing 
makes me miss it even more. Cause it's like, I, I have made a lot of really great friends along the way. And we, you know, stop in random cities and do random touristy activities and go to crazy little hole in the wall restaurants. And you just meet the craziest people along the way. That. And, and that, that part of it is really fun, especially yeah. once you find a crew of people to travel with. Mm-hmm. who you enjoy being around mm-hmm. because for years I, you know, I had certain people on my tour where I was like, Oh, fucking, you suck. And like, <laughs> that would just, and when you're on tour, you're stuck with the people you're with. You, you don't, yeah, yeah. you can't see your friends, or your family. And once I, you know, kind of found a crew of people who I enjoyed the company of and were interested in doing activities with me on days off, that's when things really started to shift. But yeah, at the same time, like I said, it is still weird to be, you know, bringing that many people out on the road on your own bus and then having that many fans come out to see what you're doing. And then inside of your mind, you're like, I, you know, I am with myself every day when I do very normal things. And to think that there are people who think that I'm, you know, something else beyond just a regular stupid ass bitch because they (laughs) like my music and they're coming out to see me, uh, you know, just fumble around on stage for an hour is... Still very weird. I don't wanna keep running around like a chicken with a head cut off. Violent metaphors are bringing me down, but they're the only ones I'm thinking of. Am I the only one who hears a baby crying, fantasizes ways that I could shut them up?
get that it's weird. Look, and I I am very fortunate because I get to hide. I get to hide behind my movies. I get to hide behind my stuff. Mm -hmm. So people judge my work based upon my shit that I make. They don't judge my work based upon my face or how I move or what I fucking do. And I've always had the utmost respect for performers and and, uh, actors for that fucking Mm -hmm. reason. Because they're essentially like, this is my product. My Mm -hmm. face is my product. Mm -hmm. My shit is my product. But at the end of the day, you got to remember that when you go and tour, you're... You're creating something. You're making art. You're actually putting out a vibe. You're putting out, like when you design mm. the flow of your album and you design the flow of your your live set, you're emotionally tweaking the fuck out of all these people. Yeah. And that's that's got to be fun. Like that. I, that's why I like to cook. That's why yeah. I like to do that. That's why I like to direct movies. Essentially, I feel like I've just spent time learning how to hack someone's emotions right. to give them a ride. Inter- that's an interesting perspective. It's like you're leading. You're, you're, you're not le- abusing. You're not no, taking advantage. No, but it's you're, just- not, it's, you're not forcing. Yep. People are there by choice. Yep. And you're leading them, hopefully, to feel more positively. Or negatively. However or you feel negatively, like, yeah. but at least collectively. Exactly. Because feeling negatively, just in terms of like, sadness or some kind of shared experience in a group Mm -hmm. is actually sometimes very therapeutic and freeing i think and i've never really thought about it that way that you know sometimes even if i'm not you know bringing a you know singing a a joyful song that i'm still connecting people which is which is very cool so yeah pros and cons to everything always but it is just, just, I just don't know if I'll ever be able to like really wrap my mind around the fact that like, I'm just like fucking me just sitting here fucking around all day. And like, I hear my own thoughts and like, you know, I'm such a, like a weird <laughs> ass, like, I don't know. And then people care about what I'm doing. I'm like, why? And I'm very lucky, but at the same time, it just feels very, I don't know. It, it feels like some, like I'm accidentally in some type of alternate universe where things like this are possible. Mm-hmm. And like I shouldn't like I feel like I'm playing a character in a oh, video game or something. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's the imposter syndrome. Yeah, it's really and like, like I feel like this isn't my life. Yeah, because yeah, then yeah. I go home and I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, who are you? Like, what's like, how did this happen? <laughs> You're an android. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's it is that imposter syndrome, and a lot of people feel it. I mean, I've been in situations where I've been on like Warner Brothers lot and I'm like, how the fuck did I get, yeah. you know, you're just sort of like, what the fuck is this? Um, but at the end of the day, I think over time, at least with me, over time, I'm just sort of like, all right, I get it. People like to listen to the show. People like the stuff that mm-hmm. I do and, and I'm providing them with some form of entertainment and that's what they're tuning in for. That's what they're showing up to your shows for. I mean, you have some fucking insane fans. I've yeah. been following the comments. Oh, yeah. You've got some crazy loyal fans. And now they're really huge fans of Gina too. They're like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's 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 pretty amazing. It's I think if you're an artist, which you are, and if you're somebody that feels the need to convey life experiences, which I do, that's what this fucking show's about, to mm-hmm. be able to convey that sort of thing, to have that outlet, not right. only to spout the shit that you've just learned, but also to 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 get that feedback and to right. sit there and go like, I mean, just doing the show, like I would not have as many perspectives on life as I do if I wasn't able to sit down like you and I are right now and right. talk for an hour and a half. Right. 
and and it's the same thing when you're touring, I would assume, and you're performing because you're actually able to see these people and see how the populace is reacting to things emotionally at like a larger scale. Right. It's fascinating. It is. Shit. It is. It is fascinating. It's like sometimes I wish that I could just stop and have my show carry on and just like watch mm-hmm. watch mm-hmm. people. It's like as much as I can see everyone when I'm on stage, I can't really focus on looking at them and really yeah. recognizing the experience that and the atmosphere that I'm creating that my band and I have you know created for everyone else in the room. It is. It is. Well, how are you going to do? Because you can't fucking. You must be going out of your mind right now because you can't tour. You can't do any of that stuff. Yeah, it definitely feels weird to release music and not be able to sing it for people while while it's new and exciting. Like, I feel like by the time I'm able to perform this shit that I just released, it's going to be months, maybe even a year from now. Maybe years. Like, who who knows? Honestly, like, we don't know, especially living here. It's like, you know, we, we don't... It's it's unfortunately, we don't have a proactive plan in this country to deal with that. So it's like, we don't we don't know. And it does feel weird that by the time I potentially can sing this music for people and create an entire experience for it, that it could be old. Yeah. It could be old news by the time I'm able to, you know, and that does feel weird. But I also feel weird just being indoors alone for many reasons. <laughs> it's it's not just because I'm like, oh, like I need to fucking tour. It's like, oh, it'd be cool to like go to the grocery store without having to worry about getting Corona. Like <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> it'd be cool if I could have a couple of friends over without feeling guilty about it. It's like, you know, it's, it's as it is for everyone weird for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and I think yeah. that a lot of people are missing specific things about their life. That, that is, you know, their life. It's sure. like my life. Yes. The one specific thing that I am missing would be, touring or even being able to write physically in a studio. It's not the same to write music over like a fucking zoom. It's like, there's no, there's no connection. If you're not connecting with the people you're making music with, how are the people listening supposed to connect to it? It's very weird. So it's like, of course we all have our own things that we are missing right now. So I would say those two for me, but at the same time, I'm also, you know, kind of losing touch with a lot of aspects of life that we all are, which is also just, Who's this? It's somebody ringing on the doorbell. (laughs) Hold on a second. We're going to take a quick pause while I answer this door. One sec. I thought for a second what I was saying was boring because your eyes drifted off to the window and I'm like, man, B is just freaking really bored. I mean, yeah, it's been really hard for me not to focus on literally anything else every time you speak. It's just like, oh, God. What you do is really good. And I'm the most cynical of cynics. Mm. So I would have no problem. I do know that. Gina wouldn't let me have you on the podcast if I didn't like your work. Like she yeah, would, if you're she just going to sit here and be like, so <laughs> you fucking blow, you you're wasting so all of our time. <laughs> Every time I'm trying to edit a piece of yours, it's really difficult because you just give nothing to the camera. Do it's you notice like, that I cut away to cutaways yeah, all the time? You're welcome that I'm so yeah, good at my job yeah, yeah, because yeah. otherwise you would look like shit, <laughs> like flaming garbage. You Look, you're <laughs> very talented. And look, I don't do this all the time on the show. You're very talented. And I think that. God, they're going to think I'm paying you. No, you're not fucking not not paying me anything. <laughs> you're not paying me shit. Uh, no, um, I, no, they're gonna think I'm paying you to to say this information to the people. I wish, I wish. No, the, my fans I'll hit know you with that Venmo. Yeah, you should. My fans know the real. 
the real deal here. They're all cynics. They're all cynics out there too. Good. Um, Class of MD type people are the ones that I prefer. <laughs> I love how you've just disarmed my compliments. <laughs> I have a bad habit of them. I know. Oh. Mm. That wasn't dramatic pause. It was just me drinking a beer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so my point is, my point is that um, I think you're making a lot of really good content. And I think eventually you'll get over that feeling that you're having right now. And I think you're right. I think you've assessed it correctly, which is like I'm dealing with what I grew up with. And I'm mm. getting through that. But you're not pushing this point right now where you're more adult than fucking 40-year-olds I know. So like Maybe you're dealing more with more childish than, you know, most 20 year olds. It could be the reverse. Yeah, that's true. But you're dealing with your own finances. You're being incredibly responsible about all your own shit and you're creating your own work. Like this is really important stuff. And I think that the byproduct of that, you know, is that you're going to be writing your own new history. You know what I mean? Like, Gina will be the first one to tell you that she's been through some shit in her childhood and you could, you can either let that define who you are for the rest of your life or understand that that is what makes you who you are. Right. But then on top of that, what you've defined yourself right. and how you've changed your life and what it is that you've done with that. And I think that it's so, I think we're in a diagnose society right now where everybody wants to fucking be diagnosed to figure out what their issue is and mm. why their issue is the way that there is and i think that's very important for understanding why we have habits mm -hmm. but then and who, who the fuck cares what i think but then um the thing that's so great about us as humans is that we have the ability to understand why we do things and we have the ability to build if on we those things try if we want to well i mean that's part of that whole fucking crazy dopamine fucking hit kind of shit am i feeling good by feeling like shit and there are a lot of right. people that feel good by feeling like shit right and you know if you are truly examining what it is that you want to do with your life and you're truly examining what makes you happy and what will progress you then you can get over some fucking hard shit man right some hard fucking shit i mean yeah i definitely think that if i didn't have an outlet for that i i don't know where i would be now and and it is amazing you'd be, you'd that be in a fucking room with five my, people right it? yeah i mean yeah it is amazing that my outlet can not only make me feel better but also help other people feel better mm -hmm. and keep a roof over my head like it's it is like i said you know lucky but you know i i i do think that I do need to maybe spend a little bit more time sometimes focusing more inwardly on like my own issues and, and not just thinking, how can I make this creative and, and interesting for other people and relatable, but how can I actually work through these things to like move on from them, which, you know, I, I do know that a lot of my friends kind of think the same way where it's like, we need to spend time, like real time focusing on these things and finding an outlet for them, but also mm -hmm. finding a way to, you know, progress beyond them. I'm so impulsive to a foe I want the opposite of what I got The second I get bored I switch it up I'm Making bad decisions based on temporary thoughts I know they say that's been a crisis. For me it's never about the second I get bored, I switch it up. I'm making bad decisions.
decisions based on temporary thoughts My favorite hobby, self-sabotage Can never seem to make my mind up Change my opinion more than my size Let me tell you about the time I took my friend out the friend Cause I felt so sad sleeping alone Then I put them right back just like that Cause I miss being by myself yeah, I am so impulsive to a fault I want the opposite of what I got The second I get bored, I switch it up Making bad decisions based on temporary thoughts I know they say there's greener grass For me it's never about that the second I get bored, I'll switch it up Making bad decisions based on temporary thoughts One day I like you, the next I don't Can never seem to make my mind up But I can't help it, it's out of my control So let me tell you about the time I took my friend out the friend Cause I felt so sad sleeping alone Then I put them right back just like that Cause I miss being by myself Well, I think it's interesting that you represent sort of a, a new a new generation of, of a pop star, a rock star, where you guys are very much focused on becoming healthy and very much focused on but like letting... No. Look, you're a fan of Nirvana, right? You like yeah, of course. Kurt Cobain and all that stuff. Yeah, I have a giant fucking picture of him in my living room. He just represents, to me, a period of musician, a period of time where I feel like he was just preyed upon. Mm. Like 100% preyed yeah. upon to make cash. Yeah. And like that dude was going through some fucking shit. And that by no means should he have ever been in the situations that he was in. He should have been going to therapy. He should have been fucking dealing with the right. stuff. And I think that prior years before this, the music industry has always had a bad rap for good reason. They've always had a bad rap of like looking for young talent because t young talent is very malleable. Mm. You don't see them signing. I mean, yeah, I know. You don't see them signing 40-year-olds. No. You know what I mean? Like, they're signing fucking young people because they understand that like. And they can mold you. But this is your way out. I have to support my fucking family. Right. And you have all that stress that's on your fucking back. It is a very... There is a lot of toxicity, a lot of negative, very ne negative, um, you know, people people go into things without having a goal that realistically can help you as the person that they're signing, which is very upsetting. It is like you are being preyed upon. You're being feasted upon, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's like they find someone with this, quote unquote talent that they think they can exploit for whatever reason. They can s just squeeze you dry of all the money they possibly can. And when they leave you, you're way worse off than you ever were before. And it is really, really difficult. I would say, you know, just from my own experience and, and from the experience of, of other artists that I have, you know, e either spoken to myself or just, just kind of seen fall down this path, which is imp almost impossible to avoid. Um, you know, it is really difficult to keep your own head above water by yourself. It's because mm -hmm. you're being kind of exploited all day, every day, and you have to come home and be by yourself and, and try to be a regular, 
functioning adult in society. And it just feels very like I, I can give you all this shit and you're taking it from me and I'm young and I don't know what the fuck is going on. And you're just going to squeeze me dry. And then you're going to send me home and hope that I'll come back with more creativity to provide you right. tomorrow. And it, right. it's, it is very, and you know, I did, I did have a, especially when I was like 14 or 15 and I was really struggling with the concept that I, was basically gonna have to be an adult from that point forward, you know, that my childhood was lost in some ways. And it's like, of course, now, like I said, I am grateful for those years of developing because now I would not be where I was without it. But at the time I was, I was wrestling with the idea of it's all lost. I'm never going to be able to go back in time to, to an ex, an age where it was acceptable to fuck around and be a stupid kid and make bad choices. From now on, I'm going to have to be consistently and forever an adult who takes care of themselves, which was really difficult for me to, you know, um, kind of accept at that time. But that was when I kind of discovered, you know, the, the Kurt Cobain's of the world. You know, I was, I was mm -hmm. listening to a lot of music that unfortunately made me feel understood because it seemed to me that they had been exploited mm -hmm. at an early time in their life in the same way, whether they did it accidentally or not. It, it, it made me feel, you know, a little bit more understood, but I, I, it also was upsetting that I felt, you know, kind of like a, a mutual like a kinship yeah it, it it was that was actually what i was looking for thank you but mm -hmm. it, it felt also sad because to think that these artists that i love so much had at one point probably gone through whatever i was experiencing at that time you know five or six years ago was it was rough it was like yeah we we i feel this kinship towards you but at the same time it's only because of the things that have been almost not like taken from us but kind of wiped out from under us without us even realizing until it was maybe a little too late. Yeah, it's this weird obsession with youth. And it's like something that- you can mold them. Yeah, exactly. When There's you're a, a kid, you don't fucking know anything. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like I know enough to be like, oh, you're trying to fuck me over. Yep. And unfortunately, I've had to, I've had to learn the hard way in a lot of different aspects how to kind of sniff out somebody who's going to try to fuck with you later on. Yep from the earlier time, like from much earlier on and, and kind of cut it loose, you know, before it, it messes with you, but you only typically learn that from, from negative experiences. It's fucking insane mm -hmm. that you know this now at your age. It's crazy because it takes so long. And what that is, is that's just experience. That's experience and, the, and being in those situations where you are interacting with someone, you're like, okay, so, I assume that they have my best interest out for me. Why wouldn't they have their best interest right. out for me? And then that isn't until you're just like, fuck, really? And it's always so crazy when you see someone take advantage of someone else or yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, how do you have it in you to fucking... I mean, it's reached a point where, you know, if my friends who make music are talking about signing some kind of contract, I ask them to send it to me. It has reached a point where, of course, I'm not a lawyer. I'm like, get a lawyer... Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can't even fucking trust your lawyers. You can't fucking trust anybody. And I wish that someone had told me that when I was 13. I wish. You can't even yeah. trust your own fucking parents sometimes. Yeah. And I will have my friends because I feel like the least I can do is use my negative experiences to create a more positive one for somebody else. And so it's like as much as I'm, you know, kind of on my way out of that 
shithole that I kind of accidentally buried myself into, <laughs> it's like I can at least maybe try to prevent. So it's somebody else from going through that same experience. So a lot of times when my friends who make music are going to sign a contract with anybody, I'll be like, let me look at it and compare it to contracts that I have had that at the time, you know, I was, I thought I had people on my side looking out for me. It turned out that I didn't. And mm -hmm. I don't know everything. Like I said, I, I don't legally, logistically know what the fuck all this means, but I can look for certain similarities in things that I have seen that have gone terribly for me and sure. point that out to you. Yeah, it's interesting because I've heard Kanye talking about that too. He's mm. been posting his contracts lately. You know what? I disagree with a lot of the, a lot of his opinions on a lot of things lately, and I'm disappointed in him for a lot of his opinions, especially politically. But I will say that when I saw him posting his contracts, I have had many that are similar, and I did feel almost liberated by that. And I can't say that I'm the biggest fan of him as a human being, but, but that was very ballsy to me and i do wish that more people who had his level of notoriety in mm -hmm. this industry would stand up for everybody else and themselves in that way as much as like i said i don't agree with him most of the time that was something where i thought you know we could use more of this especially from artists who are on the right side of history in mm -hmm. that way mm -hmm. no it's cool and you know what I think it's a sign of the times because I talk about this on the show as far as like film and stuff goes because in our business, it's very similar where if you're doing contracts with clients or you're doing bids on clients, it's always very closed door kind of shit and it, it's very competitive. So mm -hmm. it's always like uh, lowest bidder wins and the clients know it's very competitive. So you'll, you'll, well, you and I'll do, we'll bid for a job, right? And I'll bid off the fucking job and I'll be like, this job's like 40 grand. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you're younger and you're new and you're like, you don't have the experience and you've never been on a real fucking thing, but you have access to all this gear. You have access to essentially everything the client needs. Mm -hmm. And the client's just like, you guys are not allowed to talk about bids. And then that person's like, well, maybe 4,000, you know, and it, it's that fucking huge disparity right. that happens in there, which really affects the business because then as a younger person, you're like, if I do this cheap, then it's a great opportunity for me and it's a great way in. But they don't realize that they're being labeled as the cheap person and that they'll never get fucking hired for something better than that. Right. And then it's it's a, it's, you should be ashamed if you're an, a veteran in the business where it's like, I keep all my shit closed and I'm not going to talk about what we get paid. Or I'm not going to talk about that kind of stuff. It's like, you should, because then what that'll do is lay the fucking playing field. Right. And so then everybody will understand what things actually cost and there won't be room for fucking shenanigans. Right. Um, and so I think we're now living in a generation where everything's like YouTube video and tutorials and how things work. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of podcasts. And it's all like, oh, well, I have friends who all do this and that. So like, I don't have to, edit. there's no baseline for anything anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's as, as much as that's awesome for certain creators that they have, you know, more access to, you know, having people discover them. It also is sometimes overly saturated. It creates space to be overly saturated with, with with things that are essentially getting in the way of finding things that are worth finding. Mm -hmm. That's true. And because everyone can do everything, everyone, if they wanted to, most people could 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 do a podcast or mm -hmm. make a song um, or make a video or, you know, whatever the fuck. It's like anything that I do, I sometimes feel like essentially anyone could do, which is in some ways is amazing 
and exciting because I've discovered a lot of artists through, you know, certain, you know, apps and, and, and musical platforms that, you know, have, have general like access to everyone. But at the same time, I feel like it is kind of, sometimes people just post like fucking random shit on there that has nothing to do with anything. And you're just like, why the fuck this is not good. Why are, why are we here? Why is this happening? And, and, and it is a little bit too accessible in some ways as well. So it's like, there are pros and cons and I'm sure it's sure. the same way for, totally. you know, for, for really like any kind of creative Well, I mean, thing. You, you're just sort of sifting through like the, the, the soapbox is a lot wider now. So you're just sifting through everybody speaking and, and the good stuff floats to the top still. You still, you, you just got to be really, you got to be really good though. You got to actually be coming up with like the hard shit. It isn't necessarily just buying the gear and being like, I got the gear. Right. But unfortunately, if you buy the gear and fortunately sometimes too, like it is just like, if you do buy the gear, you can just make shit Mm -hmm. without even, even having to think, is this good or not? Is this Mm -hmm. something that people want? or will be interested in mm-hmm. or not. It's like, you don't even have to think about that anymore. It's and in crazy. the same way, there is that, you know, where it's like you enter, you have these like entry level things and you don't want to compare it to people who have actually been doing this for a long time because it is so much, it is easier and more difficult in some ways now to really accomplish anything in a creative space. I don't really know. It's like. I get you. I get you. And I'm just battling our pessimism here. <laughs> uh, like it's, um, I think at the end of the day, there's a there's a much bigger platform for people to speak about stuff, and I I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because I want to change the topic. But I think we're we're a uh, society of consumers right now, mm-hmm. and that's I mean, how many generations have been raised? You come out of your mother, and there's a commercial on the television, right? Of course, you know what I mean. So yep. like, we're a society of that sort of thing, and so we're more obsessed with like buying our way into lifestyles than we are doing the hard work. Right. Most majority of people are. Right. And the hard work is essentially like examining life, examining your life, examining other people, and truly, 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 truly watching how other people react and do things. Mm. And then learn from that. And then then if you're inspired by what you learn from that, then you tell a story. Right. Instead of just doing something because you can. Because you bought the fucking gear. Right. Because you can, because you can afford to do it and because it's there in front of you and not because you actually have something to say and real motivation behind it. That's why I like your shit is that at the end of the day, I feel like you've gone through some life experiences that are worth being told. And I think that you've processed stories and events that have happened to you in your life that are either cautionary tales or tales of, uh, of excitement and joy. It's just, it's interesting stuff. At that point. And I think it shines specifically when you guys are doing the work that you're doing right now because the videos are very lo-fi. Yeah. We're not fucking hiding shit. No. You're doing your own makeup. Like Gina's lighting you with a fucking flashlight. Yeah. There aren't crews of people. Like I'm not bringing in layers of diffusion going, let's make it look hot. You know what I mean? Like none of that's happening. It is all completely fucking raw. And I think the reason why it works so well is because you have stories that are worth being told. And you're very open and you're very humble and you're very honest about what you're going through. And Mm. I think that is, I think if they're the people that are doing that as well as you, I think this new generation of folks that are doing that is now changing what the face of entertainment is and what the face of a rock star is. And 
Look, I still am 90, 90s brain kid. I still want to be slashed and kicking my way out of a fucking church and doing a solo out front <laughs> yep. and having a goddamn <laughs> helicopter fly around me. Yep. I think that is the coolest thing in the fucking world. And I want that to be my life. And I, I still believe that there's room for that. And I think there's room for spectacle and there's room for the Lady Gagas and there's room for all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also really important. I think there should be a course taught in schools that educate people. This is how media works. Mm. And this is how these things happen. And this is what, what, what goes with it. Because you wouldn't then be as, easy, as easily influenced as most people are when it comes to voting and politics and everything else. Because the same shit that is being used on you to control what your decisions are in life is the same shit that I would use to control you on whether or not you thought the door was scary that an actor was walking towards down a hallway. Mm. It's all the same Interesting. tricks. Yeah. Music cues, emotional cues editing it's all the same thing yeah um so. scare tactics are very real as well you know they're yeah. making a f fucking movie about covid 23 and all that fucking that's fucking ridiculous but you know what i honestly feel that that movie might make a shit ton of money i know i saw the ad for that now it like, sucks who and speaking of which we've been doing this for a while and we're gonna wrap this up soon but you said that you were gonna go to nyu you wanted to make movies is that what your mm -hmm. move was yeah. okay all yeah. right what movies did you, what kind of movies did you want to make? I didn't know. I was, I was so young at the time that my, my life was kind of accidentally chosen for me that I, I never really had the time to sit down and think about what exactly I wanted to create. But based on the truth of my music, I believe that if I did have the ability to create movies or TV shows that I would want to create things that were sometimes lighthearted, but also sometimes very dark and, and <laughs> introspective and very realistic to life, which even sometimes as, as a consumer, I don't always enjoy watching, which is interesting. I think that I like to create things, whether it's music or anything else I chose to do. I like to create things that I don't always even want to hear about myself, which <laughs> I don't know if that's fucking insane, but it is very important to me to be truthful. And I, I personally hate the overdone concepts that it's like, oh, it starts with this and then this happens and then that fucking sucks. But then it wraps up into a happy ending little bundle. Sometimes I kind of like being like an off-putting ending to a movie where it's like, you don't actually get what you want. It's not the worst it could possibly be in an outcome, but it's not the best. And I think, you know, really focusing on that now, what I would create if I had the resources and the knowledge and had been able to go to school and kind of, and study that, I, I think I would probably make things that were almost so truthful. It was hard to watch sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't even always love watching that shit, especially now when everything sucks in the real world. The last thing that I want to do is go watch a movie where everything sucks. Like, I don't want to do that. I've been sitting around and watching a lot of like community recently because it's just a bunch <laughs> of bullshit and it's funny and it's sarcastic and it's the opposite, the antithesis of what's happening in the real world right now. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I do think that there is a responsibility to creators, whether it be in music or film or whatever else it is to make things that are truthful in moments when we need the people who have the outlet to do that mm -hmm. to do that mm -hmm. so 
I'm just basing that off of, you know, my music and the things that I say in my lyrics. I do think that, you know, if I were to make movies, it either be that or like horror movies because I love fucking scary shit. And I think it's really hard <laughs> to make a good scary movie. A lot of times they end up being comedies if they're mm-hmm. done badly. But I think mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I think I just want to tell real stories in a way that's captivating. Smart. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the horror movie. I just had a conversation with my writing partner today about it and horror movies are so fucking vanilla right now. Mm-hmm. The stuff that everybody's like, this is a life-changing fucking movie and you're like, no, it's not even scary. No. I want things scary. to genuinely fucking scare me. Yeah, yeah. Because I love like horror and gore and like, especially like emotional thrillers where you're just like constantly being thrown for a loop and you're like, oh, what the fuck? Like, I love any what was of that. It? What was your most recent favorite? I'll put you on the spot. What was your I mean, I honestly, favorite? I haven't been super into like any kind of thriller or scary movie until since I, I did like get out. I, I did think because the idea of being stuck inside of yourself in this deep hole and watching somebody else live your life. Oh yeah. When they were petroleum. Yeah. Horrifying to me. That was deeply scary to me. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, to more people than just, I, I know that a lot of people were deeply affected by that movie. And I know it's even, you know, kind of ridiculous for me to say that. Um, but I, think that that was the last time that like a, in a like a a real like emotionally fucked up thriller really got to me i think that everything recently has not really been that it's so scary f- <laughs> and it's like sometimes things like that though where it's like emotionally yeah horrifying is yeah. scarier than like oh this fucking ghost is gonna jump out of here like that's yeah it's fucking, jump scares that's ah, that they call shit is scares. just like if you're gonna do it do it right yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's interesting. I have to, and I liked the Hill House stuff, kind of uh, fucking haunting of Hill House, haunting of Bly Manor. But at the same time, it's like it was. It, I liked Bly Manor better. It was a little bit more like, what the fuck is happening here? Hill House was very much like jump things jump out at you, and you know yeah, whatever. It and like it was entertaining because it was like spooky, quote unquote. But it's not scary. I got to give you a list of fucking old ones, and and there are some from like. I think that the the 70s were incredibly dangerous for horror. Have you ever seen like um like the original Rosemary's Baby? No. Okay. Talk about a Here's a pitch on this movie. Imagine that you are getting married to the guy that you've always wanted to get married to. You guys are getting this amazing apartment and you get pregnant. Ugh. And you have no idea what it is inside you. Why you y'all didn't fuck? You just got pregnant for no reason? So I'm going to have you watch that movie. Oh, God. Just having a baby in general is my <laughs> fucking nightmare. I can't imagine if it was like a demon. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one's a really good one. Uh, obviously, you've probably seen The Shining, right? The original? Yeah. Yep, you've mm-hmm. seen The Shining. The Exorcist. Have you watched The Exorcist, the original? I actually don't know if I've ever seen the original. Yeah, you'll like that too. Mm-hmm. And I, Look, I don't blame you for not seeing these because they're not generally out there. And Like Gina's older than you are and this is the age gap between the two of us and I'm like you've never seen Ghostbusters the original Ghostbusters well I mean I've seen that come yeah, on yeah yeah so that's a classic I gotta give you some, some because you know why because I think that modern horror isn't as scary as what the old horror was because prior to the current right now horror is kind of being hijacked by people that want to make money and mm. prior to this in the 70s it was where it was dangerous yeah and people were like I'm gonna scare the fuck out of you with some shit yeah 
And so, anyway, um, look, I, we're pushing a point. I got to make us some food. We got to eat. Yeah. Because I'm hungry. I got to pee like a motherfucker. Yeah, it's all good. Um, you can just pee on the couch. It's fine. Right. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it'll be nice and warm. <laughs> I appreciate you being on the podcast. I hope you had a good time. Thank you for having me. I, I, I'm sorry that I turned this into a fucking spill my guts fucking therapy session at points, but no, you know. it's all good. It's all good. And look, you can't ask me a question without expecting a 15 minute long answer. That's just kind of how I am. I get it. And I also understand after talking to you for this long and knowing you for as long as we've known each other at this point, like I understand that you can be a pessimist, but I think everything that you're doing right now is really great. Um, and, um, you're a really good person to be around. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's, 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 Despite it's, it all, so, I try my best. You know, you're not a bad person to hang out with. Thanks. <laughs> Put that on my fucking gravestone. <laughs> Here lies B. Miller. Not a bad person to hang out with. Um, so usually, usually at this point in the show, I usually have the guests give advice to people. But we really haven't done that on this show. I would say, what would you... Okay. If there is somebody that wants to get into this business, mm. right? And they mm -hmm. want to get into this business young. Like they're mm -hmm. like, I want to be a star. I want to mm -hmm. dance. And they see the mm -hmm. stuff that you're doing. What words of wisdom, what words of what cautionary words of wisdom would you give them? Educate yourself on what exactly any contract you may sign is is what you're agreeing. Make sure that what you're agreeing to is something that you think makes sense and don't always trust people around you. I think I made the mistake, which maybe even wasn't a mistake at the time. I was so young. You want to believe that, you know, your parents and the people you've ch that they've chosen to be around you and whoever else are going to have your genuine best interest at heart. And unfortunately you can't always trust that the people you love can look out for your best interest in every aspect of your life, even if they try, even if that's their intention. I think really educating yourself on anything that you do before you agree to do it in writing, especially. I just, that, and it may sound so simple, but I just wish that I had heard that from somebody when I was 13. I just didn't know. You want to believe that if your mom is saying, cool, sign this fucking contract that you can trust your mom's opinion, mm. but whether she did it intentionally or not, it's like, she didn't know. My mom didn't know that what she was signing was not realistic. And, you know, maybe my lawyer wasn't the best and, you know, everyone else around me wasn't the best. So I guess educate yourself is what I would say, first of all, on really anything that you choose to do. If you want to start doing it young, especially so, and don't let anyone tell you that just because you're young, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And also, I guess really, I would just say that even in times that I have felt like what I'm doing is not worthwhile and like nobody cares, and like I'm not gonna have success and I'm not gonna be able to keep doing what I wanna do. It's like, I think that I'm gonna keep trying until everything falls apart around me and I have nothing. And I'm just gonna hope that that never happens. I just feel, and that might be shitty advice, but I just feel like if you have a vision and you know what you want to do and you know what you want to say and you know how you want to say it, don't let other people tell you this is actually how we should convey that message, not the way that you think. And it's taken me a long time to kind of get to a point where I feel comfortable doing that. But I think surrounding yourself with people who believe in your genuine vision 
is very important to where even when you feel anxious about failing, you still feel like what you're doing is worthwhile and like even if you do fail, it'll be okay. Like that's kind of how I feel because I've found the right people who believe in me where I feel like even if nothing works out in the end, at least the shit that I made along the way, I'm, I'm proud of. You can call me what you want Cause I've probably called me worse And I hit the rocky bottom In my 14th year on earth What's the point of, what's the point of Pretending we're alright It's important, it's important To not self-crucify fantastic she is a really great person and i had nothing but good things to say and i keep washing her with compliments uh because i think she's really great and uh, no i'm not getting paid this is not a paid advertisement uh this is just a great opportunity for us to have her on the show and i hope all of you newcomers that came over enjoyed the episode hope you enjoyed how honest and real we try to keep it on the show and like I said, uh, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and check out some of our other episodes. And you could also find us on YouTube. We just started our YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. The link will be below. Or you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. We have so many people that are subscribing on Apple Podcasts, which is great because the show releases every Tuesday. And so you don't really have to do work at that point. Your phone just goes beep. And it's like, hey, there's a new episode. I'll listen to that today. Bam, done. Sounds good, right? Um, I am so excited about the content. I am so proud of the content that uh, Gina and B have been putting together, and I am just happy to be a part of it. Even if it is just behind the scenes, I have enjoyed immensely editing these pieces and putting this stuff together. Um, so thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of it. Thank you, B, for hanging out and drinking a few beers with me. Uh, if you guys were curious, we did cook right after that. What did we make? 
I ended up picking my ass off the microphone and then going in the kitchen and then B and I cooked together, actually. Uh, and she was pretty adorable. That. We uh, cooked uh, fried rice. What did we do? We did a f- uh, homemade fried rice and dumplings. Uh, so it was a great night. It was a great end to a good podcast. And I hope you guys find something great to eat tonight. I hope you guys make yourself a good meal tonight. I highly suggest it. Uh, don't do takeout. Find a recipe online. It's super easy to do. And if you're just cooking for yourself, or if you're cooking for yourself and your girlfriend, relax. Take your time and enjoy it. All right? Ah, but that's it, man. I'm very excited about this season so far. Uh, we got a lot more guests on the way. We got a lot more really cool episodes on the way. Uh, some good filmmaker episodes coming up. Um, so stick around. And uh, as always, I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>